we're dealing with times of refreshing from the Lord. And so this is part two. We don't want you to miss it. Make sure you hear this this month as you listen to times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Lord, we add, we pray that you add the blessing to the preaching of the word. Open our ears and hearts that we would receive it. And everyone said amen. How many would agree with Pastor Josh it's been H-O-T outside? I said how many would believe it's been hot outside? How many is thankful for air conditioning? And the rest of you that's just looking at me, I said, how many appreciates air conditioning? I mean, we really appreciate air conditioning even in the car, don't we? In the house, we appreciate it. And I preached youth camp this week, Sister Regina, and I don't know why it happens at youth camp. I, was, I started Monday night, got done Thursday, and the air conditioner went out on Monday night. How is that? Why does that happen? Can somebody tell me why it happens every youth camp I go to? And so I, you know, I preached like a madman on fire on Wednesday, uh, Monday night, and I was so drenched in sweat, Pastor David, that um, I had to change every stitch of clothes I had. I mean, I mean, it was hot, and I'm just praying for people and walking over chairs, and you know, I'm just acting wild, and it was air conditioning's out, and they're throwing fans on me, and you know, and so um, I had a great time at youth camp, but I was so glad to, just to get back to air conditioning. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. All right, times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Uh, last week we talked about what does it mean to be refreshed. And so my, my MO is usually when I preach, I go back and review. But I decided before I came to church today, I wasn't reviewing. You can just go to the, the website, listen to the sermon from last week. Because if I review, I will preach for an hour and a half. And you don't want me to preach for an hour and a half, do you? So I'm not going to do that, so just go back and listen to the sermon last week, and so I'm going to just deal with my new information today. Everybody say, preach on pastor. Come on, everybody shout, preach on pastor. So I'm not going to review, I'm just going to start right now. Somebody say, go ahead and start. All right, at John chapter 4, verse number 3, John 4, verse 3, listen to the words of St. John, verse number 3. He left Judah, departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. And so he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to Joseph. Now jo jo Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat there by a well, and it was the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it, you being a Jew, ask a drink from a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and you knew who says this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. Then the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Why then do you get, where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank it from himself for himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become like a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst again. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband. Okay, it's getting real now. <laughs> and the woman answered and said, I have no husband. 
And Jesus said to her, Well, you have well said you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not even your husband. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and the Jews say that Jerusalem is the place that you ought to worship. How many knows that she is veering the subject? Jesus said, go get your husband, and she's talking about something else. Because that's what you do when you don't want Jesus to get in your business. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when, you, when neither, uh, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem that you will worship the Father. But you, will worship, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and it is now that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. For God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that you are the Messiah, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he will tell you all things. And Jesus said to her, I am, I who speak to you am he. Now look at verse number 27. At this point, the disciples came, marveled that he was talking to a woman. Yet no one said, Why do you seek? And what why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come and see a man, come and see a man who told me everything that I've ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And uh, we'll stop there. So we're going to look at the woman with the, with the woman at the well today. And as you study the woman at the well, you're going to see how this woman was refreshed. This woman came to Jesus, or excuse me, she didn't come to Jesus. She is drawing water at a well at midday in the heat of the sun. So she's very hot outside. It's very, very hot. And this woman is going to draw some water. She needs to be refreshed. It's very hot outside. And one of the things that you can do to be refreshed is to drink a cool glass of water. This woman needed a glass of water. They didn't have water fountains like we have today. So she went to the well to draw some water because the sun is so very hot. She wanted to be refreshed. As you look at this story, it is so awesome, Pastor David. Because, can I tell you something? Look at this. This, If you open your Bible to John chapter 3, okay? You go to John chapter 3, there's a man called Nicodemus. John chapter 4 is the woman at the well. Now say this with me. Nicodemus, chapter 3, chapter 4, woman at the well. So there's two different people. Now have you ever noticed that Nicodemus becomes converted? Jesus says you must be born again. And the woman at the well becomes converted as well. So, chapter 3, there's a man being converted. Chapter 4, there's a woman being converted. And as you study the Scriptures, isn't it ironic, get this, don't lose me, isn't it ironic, chapter 3, Nicodemus, chapter 4, the woman at the well, has similarities. Chapter 3, Nicodemus was a man. Chapter 4, the woman at the well, obviously was a woman. Chapter 3, Nicodemus was a Jew. Chapter 4, a woman was a Samaritan. Chapter 3, the man was a respected ruler 
who came to Jesus by night. Chapter 4, we have a social outcast, a woman of the world. Chapter 3, we have Nicodemus who is a moral man. Chapter 4, we have a woman at the well who is immoral. Chapter 3, we have Nicodemus who comes to Jesus by night. But chapter 4, we have a woman who comes to Jesus in the midday at noon. Chapter 3, we have a man who didn't argue with Jesus. He just had a question of how am I to be born again? How is this to be? How, how does this happen? Chapter 4, we have a woman who argued with Jesus. What are you saying, Pastor? I am saying that the writer of John is trying to paint a picture that whether you're educated or whether you're not educated, whether you're smart or you're illiterate, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile, whether you're moral or whether you're immoral, it doesn't matter if you come to Jesus at night or you come to Jesus during the day. It doesn't matter if you have questions or you argue about it. It doesn't matter your context. Jesus saves all. I said Jesus saves all. And we come to the story of this woman who comes to the well who needs a drink of water. And the Bible says that she comes at noonday. Look at verse number 6. John 4 verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey, because Jesus is hot as well, he sat by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. It was 12 o'clock. It was 12 o'clock during the day. And verse number 6, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. So a woman comes at noon. Everybody say at noon. Now did you know that back then, that when a woman went to draw water, she went to draw water at night or she went very early in the morning. You usually didn't go during the day to get water. Now why? Because if it's very, very hot and women had their face covered and they had usually lots of clothing on, that is very hot for a woman. To carry a bucket of water in the heat with a lot of clothing on, you, you just didn't do that. They went early in the morning before the sun rose to get the water because it was cooler outside, or you went late at night to get the water. You didn't go during the day. And so this woman obviously was coming during the day because she didn't want anybody else to see her. She didn't want anybody to see her early in the morning, and she didn't want anybody to see her late at night. So she understood, listen, I'm not living right, and I don't want my sisters asking me how my husbands are doing. So she decides to go during the day when nobody should be getting water. She goes during the day because she realizes nobody is going to be there. And isn't it ironic that when you think Jesus won't show up and nobody's there is when Jesus really does show up? <laughs> she was expecting that nobody would be there. She comes to the well and finds Jesus there. And I, one of the things I love to do when I read the Bible... I love to pull out things in the Scriptures that uh, can be applicable to your life. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I want to take John chapter 4 and I want to pull some things out of this chapter to help you be refreshed today. Alright? Everybody say, I want to be refreshed. Everybody say, I want to be refreshed. 
I want to be refreshed. And so I want to look at the story and give you a few things. If you're taking notes, you can write them down as we look and, and we do some exegesis of this scripture and see some things in this scripture that I think is important. Number one, what I want you to see in this scripture is number one, Jesus went where he was least expected. He was least expected. The Bible says in verse number four, John chapter four, verse four, that he must or needs to go through Samaria. Jesus said, I've got to go through Samaria. Now, if you know anything about Samaria, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. Everybody shout, they didn't get along. As a matter of fact, the Jews thought the Samaritans were half-breeds. They did not talk to one another. So it's ironic that Jesus went to Samaria. But the Bible says in verse 4 that Jesus must or he needs to go through Samaria. He, he had a purpose in going through Samaria. So ladies and gentlemen, Jesus went where he was least expected. Nobody expected Jesus to go through Samaria. Why? Because Jesus is a Jew. Jews don't go through Samaria. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. There was segregation there. You don't fellowship with them. Don't talk with them. Don't even go through their city. But Jesus, in John 4.4, 4, told his disciples, I have to go through Samaria. Because Jesus teaches us that he shows up where he's least expected. Come on, somebody. Jesus can show up at the crack house when nobody expects him to be there. Jesus can show up in unlikely situations. If you think your situation's too lost and Jesus will never show up, I want to let you know good gospel news that Jesus can come to a place where he is least expected. If Jesus, I'm about to shout hallelujah, if Jesus can show up where he's least expected, what do you think happens when we expect him to show up? What happens when you expect him to show up? If he can show up where he's least expected, boy, what would happen when he's expected to show up? So this teaches us that no matter how bleak your situation is, no matter how lost you feel, no matter what situation may be that you feel like Jesus can't get involved in, this scripture teaches us he can show up at the places in your life where it's least expected because that's how you get a refreshing is when he shows up when things are least expected. The second thing I want you to see here that I really believe the Holy Spirit wants you to see here is number two, and this is so very powerful. I mean, powerful. As a matter of fact, when I was studying this, I, was, <clears throat> I said to myself, ooh, ooh, ah, ah, ooh, ooh, you know, because it was like, oh, this is so good. Number two, get this. Number two, sometimes being seen is painful, even if, it's, even if it is also the very thing you really want. Now, stop here. The woman came at midday where she did not want to be seen. You draw water in the morning. You draw water late at night. It usually was a family thing. The women of the community would go together. This woman went by herself in the middle of the day because she knew that nobody would be there. In other words, she didn't want to be seen. 
This woman did not want to be seen by the other ladies of the community. Listen to Pastor Josh. Sometimes in life, being seen is painful, even if it's the very thing we desire. Now, I know you're sitting there saying, that don't make sense, Pastor. It's going to make perfect sense when I get done with this sermon. So just hold on to thought number two. It's going to make perfect sense. She didn't want to be seen, so she comes at midday to draw water. And sometimes being seen is painful even when it's the very thing we desire. Number three, the Bible says, get this, the Bible says, I want you to see this, in John chapter 4, verse 11, John chapter 4, verse 11, the woman said to Jesus, Sir, you have nothing to draw this water with, for the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Jesus is talking spiritually, but the woman thought he was talking physically. Isn't that the world that we live in? If you start talking about Jesus to someone, they don't understand it. They mock us. They don't understand spiritual terms. This woman did not understand the spiritual implication here. Jesus wasn't talking physical water. He was talking spiritual water, and the woman didn't get it. And ladies and gentlemen, the world's not going to get spiritual talk. They don't understand spiritual talk. That's why it takes the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of the hearts of people. So this woman says, well, where is this water that I may get it? Because this is what I want you to see. Number three, we, we become so eager to satisfy our physical desires that we overlook our spiritual needs. This woman was so adamant that she was going to get water. As a matter of fact, she's telling Jesus, you don't have nothing to draw water from, sir. This water is very deep. You have nothing to draw, and I can't help you. I'm a woman, so I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. This woman came to the well because she's trying to satisfy a physical need. But when we're so focused on our physical needs, sometimes we can overlook our spiritual needs. Get this, church. When you're so eager to satisfy your physical desires and physical needs, you can overlook your spiritual needs. This woman was overlooking her spiritual need. She had five husbands. And the one she was living with wasn't even the one that she's married to. She had a thirst. She was looking for something. She had a desire. Nothing could satisfy that desire. She was going after physical things. And sometimes when you go after physical things, you will overlook your spiritual needs. Run after the paycheck. Run after the car. Run after the boat. All those are good and fine. But don't get caught up in eager running after physical things that you forget your spiritual need for Jesus. That you forget that there's a longing that only He can satisfy. And let me break it and let me say it loud and clear that there is a deep need inside of you that nobody can feel except Christ and Christ alone. Nobody can feel it. A relationship can't feel it. A church can't feel it. Nobody can feel that need except a, 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 a Jesus. That's the only person that can fulfill that need. So don't become so eager running after physical desires and worldly possessions that you overlook your spiritual need for Jesus. I want you to notice something. 
Jesus is sitting at the well. He's sitting by the well. Jesus is talking this spiritual talk. And isn't it ironic that this woman brings up two things? She says, she says, um, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. The disciples, when they came back and said, did you not know you're talking to a woman? Isn't it ironic that race and gender was brought up in this conversation as a hindrance to salvation? Gender and race. Isn't that what's going in our society today? Race and gender conversations. This woman was following her society. She was convinced that Jesus couldn't talk to her because she was a woman, and not only a woman, but Jesus couldn't talk to her because she was a Samaritan. Look at verse number 9. Jesus says, well, the woman says, verse number 9, John 4, 9, the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Race? I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. Gender, I'm a woman, you're a man. This doesn't make sense. And that's what the enemy wants to do in our society. The enemy wants to put barriers up in the church of race and gender and saying because you are a woman or because you're a woman, you're less than a man. That is a lie from the devil from the pit of hell. Women are just as equal as a man, but different functions. Can I hear an amen? They're equally important to God. And in God's kingdom, there is no such thing as race. The only thing in God's kingdom is a soul. And it doesn't matter what color skin you have. And that should never, ever, ever be a barrier in the church when it comes to salvation, race, and gender. Never. We want a church that looks like the church. Of all different colors. And this woman was concerned about race and gender. Race and gender. And Jesus broke the rules. He's like, listen, I wanted to go through Samaria because there is a divine appointment for you. And I want to let you know today, God has a divine appointment for someone this morning. I said He has a divine appointment for you. It doesn't matter gender. It doesn't matter race. It doesn't matter your social status. He has a divine appointment for you. Gender and race. And what stops us from being refreshed when we focus on race and gender? When we let race and gender become a factor in our life that stops us from being refreshed. Now, Pastor David, this, this, this was the kicker. Are y'all ready for this? Are y'all over here ready for this? Can I hear a big amen? Are y'all over here ready for this? Come on, help the pastor out a little bit. I said, are you ready for this? Every once in a while, like a nod. I said, are you ready for this? Okay, this, this, this is what was the kicker in this whole story. When I was reading it, I was like, why did I not see this before? I have read the scripture 
and read the scripture and read the scripture. And I'm like, why did I not see this before? But it all came together. Look at, just look at it behind me. Look at this. Verse 13. Okay, so verse 11, the woman is confused. She's like, listen, you don't have anything to draw water from. Jesus is like, I'm not talking about physical water. I'm talking about spiritual water. But the woman didn't get it. Okay, The woman did not get it. But look look at it. Verse 11, the woman said, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. It's deep. Where do you get this living water? Because this woman's like, man, if you could tell me how to get this water, I'll never have to come up here and get water again because it's been hot. Do you just tell me where to get this water from? Now get this. You ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. Verse 12, she says, Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself? Verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, he's speaking spiritually, will thirst again. If you drink of this well, you're going to thirst. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall become like a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now look at this. Verse 15, the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I may not have to come and draw water. So she still don't get it. But she's like, I, I want it. I want this water. Whatever it is, I want this water. Now stop here. And Jesus' response in verse number 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. For the first time, I got it. I read this scripture and read this scripture and read this scripture and never got it before. But all of a sudden, as I was reading the scripture, I was like, I got it. It's like Rhema. This woman said, or Jesus said, I got some water that if you drink from, you'll never thirst again. You'll, you'll never thirst again. It's going to be like a fountain springing up. She gets excited and says, Sir, tell me where I can get this water from. And Jesus answers and says, go get your husband. I don't know if you got it. Jesus is saying, I got some water for you. Jesus is saying, if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. This woman says, then please, sir, tell me where I can get this water. Jesus then answers and says, okay, go get your husband. I don't think y'all got it. Jesus says, I got some water that if you drink from this water, you will never ever thirst again for it's going to become like a fountain of living water inside of you. It's going to be springing up on the inside of you. The woman still don't really get it, but she's curious about it. She says, will you tell me where I can get this water? And Jesus says, go get your husband. That's like a slap in your face. Dude, I'm asking you for this water and you want to know where my husband's at. <laughs> because the point is this. In order for you to be refreshed, the wounds of your life has to be seen first. In order for you to be refreshed first, the wounds in your life has to be seen first. First, the woman has a problem being seen. 
She comes in the middle of the day because she don't want her sisters to see her that she's there. Women go at night or early in the morning. She doesn't want to be seen. She's there in the middle of the hot day drawing water because she doesn't want to be social with anybody. She doesn't want to be seen. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, if you really want this living water, the very first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to let me see the wounds in your life. You're going to have to let me see the wounds in your life. You're going to have to tell me about your five husbands. And isn't it ironic that we want revival and we want refreshing and we want the well of water to come, but we don't want God to get any close to the wounds of our life? We don't want the Holy Spirit to uncover the wounds in our life. Jesus said, He didn't say, I'm going to give it to you. He said, let me see your husband first. Let me deal with the wounds of your life first before I give you the water. See, ladies and gentlemen, there is always a wound before a well. Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to let Him operate on the wounds of your life? And that's what Jesus did. Jesus showed up talking about this living water and this woman wanted it even though she didn't know what she was asking for. But Jesus said, in order for me to get to your heart, you're going to have to let me see the wounds of your life. You see the wound first. I know you don't want to... I know you're here and you're getting water and you don't want nobody to see you or notice you. I know that you don't want to socialize with anybody. I know that you've come in the middle of the hot day because you're trying to avoid everybody, but Jesus says, I have a purpose. You have a purpose. I've come today not to shame you of your past. I didn't come here to argue with you about your past. I've just come because I want to be a healing instrument for your past. Let's all be honest. We all got a past, don't we? I said, don't we? And there are some things that you don't want to talk about. But if you want to be refreshed, you're going to have to open up. You're going to have to let somebody see that wound. Not everybody. Not everybody. But you're going to have to let somebody see that wound. You're going to have to be vulnerable. You're going to have to be open. So let me see that wound. You see, because when we are wounded, you know what happens when we're wounded in our life? We seek validation from unnecessary resources. And this woman was seeking validation from all the men in her life. Now, granted, I don't know this woman. Maybe her husband's died. But we do know that Jesus said the one that you're even with is not even your husband. So she was seeking validation from these people in our life. You see, and that's what we do. We seek validation. Maybe it's not from a person. Maybe it's from our job. Maybe it's from the paycheck we receive. But all of us seek validation from somewhere in our life. 
And this woman was seeking validation. Let me tell you, let me tell you, and let me make sure you get this. If you put your validation into the hands of other people, you will constantly and continually have to go back to them for it. And that's exactly what happened to this woman. One husband after another husband. Because she's seeking validation to fill a void and a thirst in her life. And she didn't know that that void and thirst comes from God. And only God can fill it. Do we really understand that? Why do we keep seeking stuff to try to satisfy that desire when only God can do it? You run throughout your whole life seeking validation. But only God will do it. This is the word of the Lord to someone. In your spiritual walk, you've got to challenge your attachments. Everything you're attached to, there comes a time in your life that you've got to challenge those attachments. And you've got to participate in the sacrament of abandonment. It's not popular. This woman had a divine appointment with, with Christ because Christ was challenging her attachments. And sometimes we don't know how to respond when Jesus challenges the things we're attached to. We blame it on the devil, blame it on the church, blame it on whatever, because we lost something in our life. Sometimes losing things in your life is not necessarily bad. Sometimes God challenges those things that you are attached to. Gideon reduced the number of your army. You're too attached to numbers, Gideon. Reduce it. You've got to challenge those things that you're attached to. And this woman was attached to all these men in her life. You seek validation from a source. You have to continue to go back to them. You see, there's two things in life. Everything, if you, you can view things in your life as a source or a resource. And if you start to view people in your life as a source... Now, don't lose me. If you start to view people in your life as the source of your strength and validation and encouragement, you will be disappointed. But if you start to view people as a resource in your life and view God as the only source in your life, you won't be disappointed as much. If there's a constant need to be validated and constant need to be praised and a constant and there's a healthy there's a healthy part of that according to scripture but it can go to obsession and this woman was obsessed with trying to fill that void in her life see sometimes in church we think that God needs something from us. God needs our money. God don't need your money. Money is a piece of paper with green ink on it supported by the United States of America. Do you think God needs a piece of paper? 
Do you think that God needs you? Do you think that do you think God is so insecure that he takes nerve pills every day because he's so insecure that he has to have your worship. He has to have you. He has to have your money. We've created a God that's so needy. Let me break it down to you. God don't need you. He don't need your money. He don't need this church. He doesn't need this city. He wants your heart. And in order for Him to get your heart, He has to challenge the things that you are attached to. You're attached to money. You're attached to sex. You're attached to relationships. You're attached to resources. He's got to challenge that to get to your heart. So don't think that God needs it. He just wants your heart. He wants a relationship with you, and He has to challenge those things to get to it. And this woman was attached to a lot of stuff. And that day, the Holy Spirit was going to challenge her attachments. It's like teenagers getting on Facebook. 13 years old. You're my world. You're my world. That's sick. You've known them for three weeks and they become your world. You see the generation we live in, how cheesy it is? He's my everything. He's my world. You need to grow up. Thirteen years old, and he's my everything. And then they get a tattoo right here. Their name. And then two years later, they can't stand. <laughs> two weeks, yes, two weeks. I had somebody in grade school. I was teaching Christian school, and this little girl in my classroom. She's about 14, and she was over there crying and bawling and screaming. I mean, she was making a scene. I would go over there, and it was a fairly large class. And I walked over there, and I said, my facial expression, what is wrong with you? That's what I said. What is wrong with you? She's like, <laughs> That's exactly what she did. And she fell on the floor in the classroom. And I sat there and I went, oh, I'm never going to have kids ever again. So I jerked her off of the floor. I said, get up off of this floor. And everybody's laughing. Everybody's laughing. I said, get out, in the, get out in the hallway. So I take her out in the hallway and she falls on the floor and rolls on the floor in the hallway. I was like, why in the world? I guess I'm going to cast a demon out today. This is exorcism day. You know, I get down on the floor. I said, what is wrong with you? She says, Paco left me. I was like, who is Paco? Paco is dating somebody else, and I love Paco, and I, I'm going to commit suicide. And that's exactly what the language she's talking. And I looked at her and said, you're not going to commit suicide because your validation is not all wrapped up in one person. You are not who he says you are. 
You are a child of the living God. Get up off of that floor and stand back up and get in there and do your work because you've got a bright future in front of you and you're not going to succumb to this nonsense that your validation is found in the approval of everybody else. So guess what? She just cleared up the tears and... Okay, 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 Brother Josh. Okay, that's my girl. Give me a fist punch. So she went back in there and said, right down there. Sometimes you just got to talk the talk. Sometimes you just got to tell yourself, I got to challenge my attachments. Do we get attached to things? Yes. Is it okay to be attached to things? Hold it loosely. Hold it loosely. Hold it loosely. You've got to be careful who you give access to your strength. Because Samson opened up his heart and told Delilah what was the secret of his strength. And what did she do? Because when you give access to someone what your strength is and where your strength comes from, they have the potential to cut it out of your life. And if you find your strength in your job, you better be careful because somebody's going to cut that out of your life. Recession's going to come and you're going to lose all your strength because your strength is wrapped up in your job and wrapped up in your money and wrapped up in your income. And when your strength is wrapped up in the wrong places, somebody, a Delilah, is going to come and cut it out of your life. That is why David said, my strength and my hope is found in you and you alone. you got to be careful where you find your strength from and who you give access to. This woman got so, Pastor Brandon, she got so on fire from the Lord. The Lord says, well, I got a, a fountain. You want a well, but I, <laughs> I got a fountain that continuously continues to bubble up in you. I got a fountain that never stops running. You've got to work for this water, but the water I give you, you don't got to work for. You've got to get in the sweat and the hot and the heat and try to draw some water out, but the water that i got to give to you, there's no work to it. Come unto me, all ye that labor and of heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What she failed to realize is she had a bucket to get water, but the Lord is saying, I want you to be the bucket. Because I am the well and not Jacob's well. You see, see, he's saying, you've come to draw water from a physical well with a bucket, but I am changing your mind. Woman, I want you to be the bucket and I am going to be the well and I want you to take this water and I want you to go give it to everyone that you know. And the Bible says she went throughout the city saying, come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. And the Bible says that many believed. She had an experience that day. She left, verse 28, she left her water pots. 
Verse 28, John 4, 28, she left her water pots. She left what? Her water pots. She left, get this, I'm closing with this. She left the very thing that she thought was going to quench her thirst. She left the very thing that she thought was going to quench her thirst. And if you're going to be refreshed, you've got to leave behind the things that you think bring refreshment to your life. You've got to leave behind the water pots. No more. I'm not going to seek my validation and approval in that water pot no more. I've carried the water pot for too long and I've, I've sought my strength and my thirst after that water pot. I'll make a decision that I lay my water pot down. Leave your water pots behind. Leave the things behind that you think bring fulfillment in your life. Verse 39, she went and told the whole city, come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever done wrong because one person, one person can make a difference. Did you enjoy the word today?